We just got the dyslexia diagnosis and met with the school. They want us to consider a 504 instead of an IEP. What's the difference? I'm Jenny Sherson, ex-special educator turned dyslexia interventionist. It wasn't so long ago that I, too, was overwhelmed by balanced literacy versus structured literacy, education speak, and everything in between. Fast forward after many, many hours of self-driven education, and you'll see I've built a thriving dyslexia practice helping students from age 6 to 18. My specialties? Working with a quote-unquote difficult, almost always to be, student, and breaking down the complexities of dyslexia into everyday language strategies and action steps. Before we dive in, can you do me a huge favor? Would you mind sending this episode or just sharing my podcast with three of your friends? I've been working really hard to put out valuable content to support parents with dyslexic children, and I want to make sure it gets into the hands of the people that need it the most. So, Grab this link in this episode or podcast, text it to three friends, or you can just click the share button and send it that way. Whatever works for you, but I would be forever grateful. Thank you. I wanted to tackle the similarities and differences between 504s and IEPs today because I've seen a lot of confusion about them in the online groups, and I wanted to provide a little clarity. So let's dive in. The 504 plan and the IEP were both created under federal laws and provide accommodations and supports to students with disabilities at no cost to the family. Both the 504 plan and the IEP end when a student graduates from high school or ages out of the system. They do not follow you to college. They differ in the level of supports and individualization offered. So let's look at the 504 plan first. The 504 plan falls under Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973. Section 504 prohibits discrimination against individuals with disabilities in any program receiving federal financial assistance. The 504 plan's purpose is to provide a blueprint or plan for how the school will provide support and remove barriers for the student. These supports can range from providing materials in Braille for a blind student to providing an elevator key to a student on crutches or in a wheelchair. A 504 plan is about providing access to not only the physical school, but also the curriculum. The support is offered through accommodations. Or let me put it a different way. A 504 plan only provides accommodation and support, but not specialized instruction. Who qualifies for a 504 plan? A student who has any disability and the disability interferes with the student's ability to access the curriculum in the classroom. The disability must significantly limit one or more basic life activities. This can include learning, reading, communicating, and thinking. This is why a student who doesn't qualify for an IEP may still qualify for a 504. So what does a 504 plan look like? Unfortunately, there is no standardized 504 plan. A plan doesn't even have to be in writing. In general, a 504 plan includes specific accommodations, supports, or services. Names of who will provide each service and the name of the person responsible for ensuring the plan is implemented. In many schools, the 504 plans are created and maintained by a guidance counselor or assistant principal. 
If the school wants to make a significant change in the plan or evaluate the student, they must notify the family. Notification does not have to be in writing, but these days they usually are. Finally, if you disagree with the school regarding the 504 plan, Section 504 gives families options for resolving disagreements. They include, and usually in this order, mediation, alternative dispute resolution, impartial hearing, a complaint to the Office for Civil Rights, OCR, and a lawsuit. The creation and management of a 504 plan is less structured than an IEP. A 504 is created by a team of people who are familiar with the student and their needs. This can include parents, teachers, and admin officials. And while rules vary from state to state, in general, the 504 plan is reviewed every year and a reevaluation is conducted every three years or earlier if needed. So, in short, a 504 plan provides a student access through accommodations and services at no cost to the family. Now, let's look at an IEP. They are much more uniform. The IEP falls under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, IDEA. The IEP's purpose is to provide a blueprint or a plan for a student's specialized education at school. Similar to a 504 plan, an IEP provides accommodations, services, and supports. The major difference is that an IEP also provides individualized special education to meet the student's needs. For many dyslexic students, this means specialized instruction in reading and writing. To be found eligible for an IEP, your child must meet two requirements. One, your child has one or more of the 13 disabilities listed in IDEA. And two, the disability must affect your child's educational performance and or ability to learn and benefit from the general education curriculum. In other words, in order to make progress at school, your child requires specialized education. During the evaluation and identification phase, a family can ask the school district to pay for an independent education evaluation, an IEE, by an outside expert. Families usually request this when they disagree with the school's assessments and findings. If an outside evaluation is performed, schools have to take them into consideration, but do not have to accept them. Everything regarding an IEP should be put in writing. If the school wants to change services or placement, they have to tell the family in writing before the change. The name of this document is called Prior Written Notice. Notice is required for any IEP meetings and evaluations. If you request a change to your child's IEP or an evaluation and the school disagrees and declines your request, they must put their justification for their decision in writing through the use of a prior written notice. All of this documentation becomes part of your child's educational record. Finally, if you have a dispute with the school regarding the IEP, IDEA gives families ways to resolve disputes. They include, and usually in this order, mediation, due process complaint, resolution session, civil lawsuit, state complaint, and a lawsuit. So what's in an IEP and who creates it? The IEP contains benchmarks, learning goals, objectives, and the services and instruction the student requires to learn and benefit from the general education curriculum. It includes the student's present academic levels, how your child is currently doing in school, 
the timing of services, when they start, how often they occur, how long they last, and who's responsible for providing those services, standardized test accommodations, and how much time the student will spend in general education classes versus special education classes. As for creating the IEP, there are strict legal requirements. The entire IEP team must be present for the IEP meeting. The team includes the parents, at least one of the student's general education teachers, a special education teacher, a specialist who can interpret evaluation results, this is often the school psychologist, and a school district representative. After a student reaches the age of 14, they are also considered part of the IEP team. They are invited to the meeting, but in my experience, decline the offer or ask if they can just show up for the first few minutes. Similar to the 504 plan, the IEP team must review the IEP at least once a year, and the student must be reevaluated every three years in order to determine if the services are still appropriate or needed. So in short, an IEP provides a student with accommodations, services, and individualized special education at no cost to the family. If you have any further questions about the difference between IEPs and 504s, please feel free to sneak into my inbox. We'd also love your input. What would you like to hear from us in the future? Is there a topic we haven't covered yet and you really want to learn more about? Or do you have a pressing need and you're really not sure how to handle it or move forward? Send us a DM on Instagram or drop us an email at jenny at literacyuntangled.com. That's J-E-N-N-I-E at literacyuntangled.com. We can't wait to hear from you. Until next time, bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Literacy Untangled. If you loved this episode as much as I did, head on over and rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you want to continue the conversation or share your takeaways, head on over to our Instagram at Literacy Untangled and comment on your favorite part. I can't wait to hang out with you again soon. Bye.